folks this is another episode from the TGV Global Speaker Series and our guest for today is Chris Fenning he is from the Netherlands and he believes that IT and business communication doesn't have to be painful if IT and business teams can learn to speak each other's language there is no limit to what they can achieve together it resonates very well with me because i've been in the IT industry for the last 20 years and i'm completely aware of the kind of conversations that happen between IT and business teams and this is why he is on a mission to help technical and business teams communicate clearly and remove the pain they experience so often and most companies categorize teams as either business or technical and few people work on both sides of this divide them and us are part of our everyday vocabulary and we have come to expect breakdowns in communication when business and technical teams work together and as we prepare to delve into our conversation on the topic at hand improving professional communication here is an exciting twist first let us tickle the brains of our guest so chris get ready for a rapid fire round of random words i'll mention a few and i would love to hear the first thing that comes to your mind in response without thinking much are you ready for it I am ready. I am ready Naveen. <laughs> Let's dive in Chris. Here comes my first word. It is curiosity. Curiosity is children and the way they explore the world. Wow. Invention. Uh necessary for the future. What is future? What is future? Everything that is coming before us, it is both amazing and a little worrying. Book. Ah, oh, the joy of writing. I'm an author. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Movie. Napoleon. because it's a biopic of Napoleon that's coming out soon and I want to see it. Awesome. Food, charcuterie, uh, a European spread of pickles and meats and cheeses and breads and olives and I could eat that all day every day. <laughs> God, complex technology, moving faster than we can can barely keep up with. <laughs> totally concur with you. And aliens. Oh, a certainty. The last one is universe. beyond comprehension amazing so thank can you can i expand so on that last one can i because i love that last that last one particularly absolutely so, yeah for for universe just how tiny we are in comparison to everything else mm-hmm. it is it isn't possible to comprehend a scale like that we can we can create imagination we can believe we understand our place in it we, and many of us those with strong faith do believe they know their place in the world but I believe the mortal mind can't comprehend just the vast yeah. possibilities that are within the entire universe. It is there's so much out there. <laughs> Indeed, we are just a tiny or minuscule part of the entire universe and roughly less than the size of an atom. Oh right? yes, even even if we were one molecule in in the, all the oceans, that is still <laughs> bigger than our true true scale in the universe. Yeah, couldn't agree more. <laughs> so, Chris, thank you for participating in the first rapid fire round so sportively, and the second one is waiting at the fag end of this episode. So, stay tuned. <laughs> so, folks, welcome to the Guiding Voice podcast series where we embark on transformative conversations for a better future. I'm your host, Navin Samala, dedicated to making the world a better place through valuable discussions that add value not only to your life but also to your career. And thank you so much for tuning in. Chris hearty welcome to the guiding voice podcast series super thrilled to have you here and host this conversation today 
Uh, thank you, Naveen. And it's uh, I love the energy. I'm really looking forward to this. <laughs> yeah, pleasure to have you. Let's begin with your success mantra. So Chris, share with our audience the top three things that have attributed or that have contributed to your success so far. Okay, number one, don't just talk about doing it, do it. This came from my father and he he called me out one day when I was mm-hmm. saying, oh, I really want to do this thing. And he said, this is must be the 10th time I've heard you say it. Stop talking about it. Just go and do it. And that has led to many opportunities. Don't talk about doing it. Do it. The Very- second one, create opportunities for yourself. And the third one has to be clear communication. And if you don't communicate clearly, life is going to be much harder. And this clear communication is applicable everywhere, not just in the professional settings. It is everywhere. <laughs> Absolutely. You need to you need to talk to someone in the supermarket about a, a returning an item. If you can't do that clearly, it's going to be harder. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree with you. And let's talk about the com skills, the core of today's conversation. So please share some practical strategies for professionals to enhance their communication skills and ensure clarity and precision in their messages. Absolutely. So the very first thing that we should all do, no matter what your profession, no matter what your specialty, is learn how to get to the point. Because if you can't get to the point, everything else is going to be harder. And what I mean by this is when you start talking to somebody, set up the conversation for success by giving that other person or people, if you're talking to more than one, give them the things that they need to answer three very important topics, very very important questions. Sorry. What are you talking about? Why are you telling me this? What is your point? And so to do that, you should tell them what the topic is, Mm -hmm. why you're talking to them about it. And give them a headline, like the headline on a a newspaper or a news article. Give them those three things and then have your conversation. You'll you'll get to the point. You'll make it clear why you're talking to them. They will understand. And everything after that point will be so much clearer. Yeah. Very nice, uh, Chris. Now comes the important question. And again, many people in the IT world can resonate with me on this one for sure. Like, how can these technical professionals effectively communicate complex ideas to non-experts without overwhelming them with the technical jargon or confusing language? Because day in and day out, IT teams have a lot of ideas and they're not able to communicate as effectively as they should with their business counterparts. And many times, especially in the younger professionals, they tend to be using a lot of jargon, a lot of technical terms, which these guys are completely unaware of. So what's your take? Ah, yes. <laughs> oh, this is a huge topic, a huge. We could spend the entire show and more talking about just <laughs> this one thing, but I won't. My previous answer was get to the point and be brief. So I must follow my, <laughs> follow my own rules. So I actually run a full day workshop on this with a framework for how anyone, not just technical people, but how any expert can talk to non-experts. This could be a lawyer talking to a farmer, a farmer talking to someone in sales, because we all have expertise and we all use the dreaded jargon. And I say the dreaded jargon, I'm sure we'll talk about more this more later, but I believe jargon is actually not bad. It's really good when we are talking to other experts. It is the language of our jobs 
Jargon is what we use to make our jobs quicker and easier and clearer when we are talking to other experts. So to come back to your question of what can technical professionals do and really any profession, yeah. they there are a few, few very specific things that I think people can take away from our conversation now rather than going into a whole training program. <laughs> the first is when, you're, when anyone is talking to, a, let's say, a software developer talking to a business partner, don't talk about how, talk about what. And I'll, I'll give an example. Let's say a system has an issue and mm -hmm. the technology team is talking to the business owner about it. Don't talk about how the issue happened, how the system works, how the issue impacts the system. Talk about what the issue means. What is no longer working for the business person? What does this issue cause? What is the impact for that person? So don't talk about what, talk about how. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned the word impact. Focus on impact rather than method and history and backstory and inner workings. Because there's one thing, Naveen, that you and I care about more than anything else. Yeah. And that is something that impacts us. Yeah. If you if you told me it was raining today, would I would I care very much? I don't know where you're talking about. If you said, Chris, it's raining during your uh, taking your daughter to school when you walk her to school. I suddenly care about that. Your in, mm. your information has more value to me. The, go back to the technical person and they say, so software developer says, oh, we have an issue with this backend system. Mm -hmm. So what? Who cares? <laughs> what does that mean? If instead they said, we have an issue with the backend system, customers can't log into their accounts. Yeah. Well, now, wow, hang on, that's a problem. Now you've got my attention. And the difference is the impact the impact to the person receiving the message or something they care about. Awesome. So that, technical professionals, if they do that, focus on what instead of how, they focus on impact, mm, that that will solve a whole lot of communication problems right there. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I, I have one thing to compliment here. Like say, because of this problem, maybe we are going to lose the revenue or customers will not be able to <laughs> place the orders, right? That could oh, be, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's actually only a few types of uh, of impact that we care yeah. about. There's an infinite number of individual impacts, but they all come in certain categories. Mm. And the two big categories are, I've got something to tell you, Naveen, it's going to impact the amount of effort you need to put into something. Yeah. Or it's going to impact an outcome that you care about. Effort and outcome are the two things that are universal doesn't matter what your job is, what your level, what your role, where you are in the world. If you tell me that there's going to be an impact on my time, my money, resources, or the amount of difficulty, like how much actual effort I need to put in, I'm going to understand that. Yeah. And for outputs, there's financial outputs, speed outputs, safety, compliance, quality, satisfaction. All of those things are universal across every job. And so that becomes our, our Babelfish, our universal translator for how to mm -hmm. take a technical topic and make it non-technical, describe it in terms of effort and outcomes. You spend this, this will go faster. Mm -hmm. Put in five hours work here, we will get 99.9% .9 compliance uptime and better customer satisfaction. Brilliant. <laughs> People <laughs> understand those things. 
Perfect. I, I loved all the examples out there. And now let's take a step back. Let's take a step back and talk about the jargons. You said jargons are good when the other person is also equally expert like you. But can you yes. share some strategies or tips of for identifying and replacing jargons with more relatable language in professional communication, especially from expert to non-expert? Yes, absolutely. So as you've already said, jargon is our expert language. They're the words that we use to make our job easier. So anytime you're talking to someone else, you need to speak their language. And that's common. Have you heard that as advice? Like you, you should speak the language of your audience. Is that that's something you're familiar with? Yeah. Okay. The bit that's missing from that advice is actually how to do it. <laughs> it's really mm-hmm. easy to say, speak the language of your audience. <laughs> And it makes it sound as though you have to learn their expert language. So if I'm in marketing and I'm talking to someone in the legal team, do I need to learn their legal terminology so that I can explain marketing in legal terms? No. The answer is no. Mm. When it's what what we need to do to get rid of the jargon is not learn everyone else's unique expert language, but it's to find common plain language that is universal. It's about explaining, finding an ordinary way to explain an extraordinary thing. Mm-hmm. And that uses common language. It uses analogies. It uses comparisons and metaphors. It uses effort and outcomes. One of the best ways to remove jargon is focus on impact, effort, and outcomes. So let's see if I can wrap this up in a, a neater piece of advice for, for the listeners. To replace your jargon step one it takes effort and thought there is no way you can get around putting in the effort to stop using your expert language so it takes effort and thought two you have to recognize other people are not experts and that should be the trigger for okay you're not an expert i must put effort in to change my language now mm-hmm. three go into those conversations expecting to translate your message into something else. So it, know it takes effort, recognize when they're not an expert, and go into the conversation expecting to translate. Mm-hmm. And then choose simple, plain words. And if you do that and you don't talk about the how, strip out all the how, that can help. <laughs> oh, I've got a great, a great, really practical thing people can use. Can I, can I share this? Absolutely. It's called the magic box. Mm-hmm. And one of, the, one of the main reasons we introduce jargon is we talk about how our job works, how a system works, how a piece of technology works. When talking to someone about your work, imagine that your work is a magic box. And nobody knows how the magic works inside the box. Mm-hmm. And most people don't care how the magic works. They just care that it works and that the box does something. And here's a real example. I'm holding up. I'm holding up. What am I holding up right now? What is this? Cell phone. <laughs> okay. How does it work? It, it Who works. Cares? <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> What does it do? It can do anything for you. <laughs> yeah. It, I can call my gran on the other side of the world. I can play an app. I can do my taxes. I can find when the next bus or train is coming. I don't care how it does it. Yeah. I just care that it does it. Yeah. 
And this is where Steve Jobs, I, I, I'm not big on quoting famous people and so on. And Steve Jobs is one of the most overquoted people. Yeah. When the iPod came out, not many people know this, but the iPod was not the first MP3 player. Yeah. It was one of the last MP3 players. Another fun fact about the iPod, it wasn't the most technologically advanced mm. and it didn't have the biggest story. There were, I think Dell and Microsoft and others and other hardware manufacturers had produced MP3 players that had 512 megabytes at the time. That was a lot. They had 512 megabytes of storage and they had been out for a long time. And those companies were getting up and they were talking about how their product worked. Here's what, here's what it's made out of. Here's how it works internally. Here are the facts and features. And then Steve Jobs got up and said, I can put a thousand songs in your pocket. <laughs> what do we care about? Megabytes or having all our music with us in our pocket? All, all my music. <laughs> Everyone else was talking about the technology. Yeah. And there, was, there were better technological devices. Mm. But what Apple did was told us, he said, we have a magic box. And guess what this magic box can do? It means you can take a thousand songs with you wherever you go. So to get rid of jargon, not talking about megabytes and this and that and processes, use the magic box, turn your system into a magic box, turn your idea into a magic box and talk about what it can do for them. Mm. You, That'll you, strip out all the language. Yeah, you, you nailed it. I it's amazing and lovely example. I, I loved it to the core. Awesome. Let's move forward, uh, Chris. Now this is about tailoring the message, especially yeah. when you were to communicate with executives, the senior executives, we get limited amount of time, probably five minutes or 10 minutes or maybe less <laughs> than that. Or could be elevator yeah. pitch, like once you uh, just uh, <laughs> get into an elevator and by the time you have to reach your floor, you have to strike a conversation, right? So... Given that the executive time is limited, how can professionals tailor their communication to resonate with executives, ensuring that their messages are concise, impactful, and at the same time, align with the organizational goals? Yeah, and that's a lot to pack in, right? So how can we do all of that? <laughs> um, first of all, here's a free resource. that yeah. uh, I have a YouTube channel and, mm. and people can go there and there are one minute tips on this exact topic. So a series of 10 or 15 one minute tips on how to talk to executives. So go, go and find that. Uh, I'm sure the link will be in the show notes. Yep. What I can do is give you a couple of them. And first of all, do the stuff we've talked about so far. So, so get to the point, focus on what matters to them and use the magic box and those other, other techniques we talked about. But then in the moment, step mm -hmm. one is think about what the executive cares about. No matter mm -hmm. what you're talking about, think about what matters to them, what is important to them and work out how your message connects to that. And mm -hmm. here's an example. Let's say you, we need money. You and I were working on a, on a system in our company. Yeah. We need money to upgrade the system. So option one, hi, uh, Mr. or Mrs. Executive, I, I need some money because this system is breaking. That doesn't really mean anything to them. And they're going to have a bunch of questions and they're going to be skeptical and we're asking for money. So immediately they're, they're not, not exactly going to give it all away. <laughs> so why don't we work, about, work out how it impacts the executive's goals and mm -hmm. try the message that way? So we could say, um, oh, hi, Mr. and Mrs. Executive. Um, 
our company wants to have 99.7% uptime yeah. on our systems. And, um, and our customers expect that in our contracts. Now, the problem is some of our systems are getting old and mm. we're spending more time every month maintaining them, which means our, our uptime is far below the expected level. If we upgrade the system, we can reduce the maintenance costs and hit those uptime targets. Nice. Now, it's more words. It takes yeah. longer, but it gives them what they need. How does it tie to the company goals? How does it tie to something they care about? How does it matter to the customers? What is the money for? And I didn't say we need to upgrade the system. I said, we need to stay in line with our company goals yeah. or the yeah. targets our customers care about. That is the same problem. In both cases, I need to upgrade the system. But in the second one, I've told a story. It's compelling. It makes sense to the other person. And it was still pretty short. I didn't give any reasons in the technology. I didn't dive into any of what's inside the magic box. I just said, the magic box is broken. We need to change it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And now let's switch to the writing part. So what are some best practices for writing emails that are clear, concise, and most importantly, convey the intended message efficiently? Intended. <laughs> yeah. Really easy. Two things, mm -hmm. a clear subject line and a short, clear introduction. And the subject line should include what is the topic and what is the purpose. And it's, I'm sending one to, to you, Naveen, and I'm saying, um, the topic is our podcast recording. Yeah. Can you please check these login details? Yeah. The topic is the podcast recording and the purpose is I need you to check the mm. login. Very clear. Now, in the, the email, there can be all kinds of other stuff, but even when it's in your inbox, you immediately know what it's about and what it's for, and you can prioritize it against other stuff. So that's the subject line, topic and purpose. Very short. The next is in the introduction. You need to say, what is the topic? When do they need to respond? What is a key message for them? And mm -hmm. it answers the, what is this for? Why am I doing something with it. So a two or three line introduction to say, hi, I've got some information to share with you. It's about next month's uh, budget report. I'm missing some information and would like your help to find it. Um, can you please work with these people? More information is below. So mm -hmm. put in a very short summary of what's coming. Yeah. Or it could be, hey, I'm going on vacation next week. This is my handover email. There are a few actions for you and a couple of questions you need to answer. That's an introduction. It's not explaining it. Yeah. That's the intro. I've told you what it's about. I've told you there are questions to, to ask. I've told you why you need the info. And then I can put the rest of the information in the email. Do those two things. Short, clear subject line and a short, clear introduction. Emails will be better and you'll get better replies. Super. Superb. Now let's talk about the meetings part. Many a times, like if you look at professionals, they are busy. 70 to 80 percent of the times attending the meetings right so how can these folks lead or participate in the meetings in a way that they, they keep or they stick to the discussions and they are focused as well as most importantly productive if i had to boil it down to one thing yeah when you start the desired output must be clear mm -hmm. if it's your meeting it needs to be written in the invitation. 
If you're attending a meeting, it needs to be stated in the introduction. Hi, everyone. Today, we are going to produce something, a decision between these three options, a list of ideas to solve this problem. We're going to produce the job description for a new candidate. We're going to design the new architecture for XYZ, a clear output. And here's why that is necessary. Mm. When you have a clear output, you can measure progress towards it through the meeting. You can tell when the meeting's going off track because halfway through the meeting, you're not halfway towards the output. Something needs to change. You can use the output when someone starts talking about a topic that's not relevant. And here's, here's where anyone can do this. If it's your meeting, if you're senior, if you're junior, it doesn't matter. If you are in a meeting and you know that the output is to produce 10 ideas to solve a problem and somebody starts talking about a topic that you don't think mm -hmm. is relevant, you can raise your hand and say, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I, I apologize if I'm misunderstanding it, mm -hmm. but um, I can't see how that connects us to the output we're producing. Are we still producing that? And if this helps, can you help me understand why? Mm -hmm. You point at the output and you point at the fact that what we're talking about now doesn't seem to connect. And then you ask the room to decide because maybe it is really relevant and you don't know. Then you learn. Maybe it's not relevant and everyone in the room gets a chance to say, oh, yes, sorry, this is a separate conversation. We'll set up another meeting for it or hopefully have a <laughs> not another meeting and let's get back on topic. Everything comes down to knowing that output and then you can measure your way towards it. You can identify when you're going off track. Output, output, output. Superb. All these are actionable advices that you are giving and the uh... My next question is around your ex in your experience, how does this improved communication positively impact the workplace dynamics? Apart from that, improve the collaboration and also overall productivity. Well, you've named two of the big ones there. But I think the easiest way to say how does it improve or how does it impact it positively is to look at what happens when communication is bad and unclear. How much time do we waste? How many assumptions do we make? Oh, I did this work because I thought this was the requirement you wanted. Oh, you meant something else because it wasn't clearly communicated. Mm -hmm. Wasted work, rework, too much extra time, conflict, team, <laughs> technology versus business, fighting against each other, mm. starting at any conversation already on the defensive or on the attack or thinking, oh, they never understand me. We're oh, we have to go and work with that legal team again. What a problem. It's always so difficult. All of those things happen usually because of bad communication. Yeah. And we view our jobs in isolation. When I was working in, in I managed a team of IT professionals working on some big architecture, they viewed their world in isolation. And when I joined the team, they didn't even know what the business users called the processes that this system supported. So there was a technology base that was enabling the business to do something. The tech team didn't know what the business described that as. So every meeting, the tech team was talking about the particular databases or whether it was um, uh, they were using jQuery. They, they 
they'd got all these different pieces and they were saying, well, we need to update the JSON. We've got to update the JSON. We've got to update the JSON. So this is how we solve it. And for anyone who doesn't know what JSON means, it's totally meaningless. And what the business described that thing as was, oh, that, so that's where we, that's where we list the criteria we want to come out. So they called it the criteria list. Mm-hmm. Tech team called it JSON. Business team called it criteria list. Right or wrong, that's what they called it. So we made a very simple change. We got the tech team to go and talk to their business partners and learn how the business talked about the technology. They talked about the sales process, not the the DRB X31 that it was all based on. And when the tech teams used those words, communication improved significantly. Superb. And uh, this has been fascinating conversation so far and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. It's a kind of refresher training on the communication, to be honest, and it's been very powerful. So it's the time for us to add some more excitement, some more spice. So get ready, Chris, as we dive into a series of uh, intriguing rapid fire questions, the second round. Okay, so shall we get started? (laughs) Yes, I'm ready. I'm ready. (laughs) Perfect. Here comes the first bullet. If you could have one gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say? Find time to play with your kids and in brackets and spend time with your grandparents. Wow. Superb. And what's one thing you are really bad at that you wish you were better or good at? Oh, gosh. Dancing. I'm so bad at dancing. And I wish. (laughs) I wish I could dance, but the, yeah, dancing, <laughs> terrible. And and you know, same same with me. I'm also a terrible dancer. <laughs> oh, nice. and the people who dance just make it look so easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, here comes the next one. Can you describe yourself in just one word? Developing. If I could use a few more words, sort of work in progress. Work in progress. Wow. Hmm. What is your favorite thing about living in the current times, the 21st century? Ah, the ease of access to information. It's, mm. it's, you can get an answer. You have to check whether it's accurate and there's all kinds of rubbish, but the ease of getting information. Can I give you an example? Yeah. <laughs> we, I, I, I was talking with my mother-in-law yesterday about, about cars and technology and how self-driving is coming along. And we talked about drink driving, which in some countries is a big problem. Yeah. We said, why don't cars have an inbuilt breathalyzer that it won't yeah. start? unless you do this. And we started talking about, well, it'll take money. Mm. And is it worth it? So the question we had was, well, how many people are injured each year from drunk driving? Mm -hmm. I just looked it up. (laughs) If you go back 15 years, that would be, if you went to the library, you'd have to then put in requests for papers. You'd never find that answer. But (laughs) unless it was randomly in some research paper or or some obscure uh, encyclopedia piece. But the ease of access to information is just so exciting i love that about now <laughs> you know the breath analyzer cars is one of the examples that i quote in my workshops as part of mistake proofing i can resonate with you like in case oh, you wow. avoid mistakes <laughs> during driving right why don't you create one car of that kind yeah <laughs> yeah oh amazing <laughs> what a match <laughs> Okay, so here comes the next one. If you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? 
flying. Who does? Who wouldn't want to fly? Um, the the freedom of movement, the ability to see the world from above. In in an airplane, I'm I'm glued to the window, which which <laughs> frustrates my six year old because I'm like, get out of the way! I want to. No, she <laughs> she gets the window seat. <laughs> but if if I have the opportunity that that bird's eye view and the freedom of moving in any direction, mm. that that would be amazing. Superb. And the last one for rapid fire: What will be one electronic gadget or a fantasy gadget that you'd like to invent yourself or see? Well, well, I suppose I should say the breathalyzer for cars, but um, <laughs> we've already talked about that. So a, um, a an atmospheric regulator for terraforming or for for cleaning the atmosphere, so that we can stabilize our planet and go and explore other planets as well. Hmm, superb. I think this has a cause associated with it and I love the idea. That was a great uh, second rapid fire round. Let's flip back to the mainstream, Chris. And how can organizations foster an environment where technical and business teams collaborate seamlessly, breaking down the us versus them mentality to achieve common goals? So what's your key message to the organizations? So the bit that I would whisper behind my hand is there's no easy answer to this because it takes effort and it takes effort and change from everybody who's involved. And we all need to put conscious effort into understanding how other people we work with see the work, see the world, how they interpret the, the object in front of us or the process or the system. What are their goals? What are their challenges? How do they describe the work? We talked about this earlier with the team that when they knew how the business, when the tech team understood how the business described things, communication got better. The same needs to happen the other way. So culturally, companies need to, companies aren't, oh, again, this is difficult. God, I'm fumbling on my answer here. Maybe this will be edited out. We'll see. Maybe it should stay in so that people can see it's okay to, to mix up the comms. The companies aren't individuals and they're made up of individuals. So a company is just not a real thing. It doesn't have an opinion. So mm -hmm. it takes the people all the way from the leaders, all the way to, to those who are on their very first day. It takes everyone putting in effort to understand the perspective of those around them as it relates to the work and the things they need to communicate. And when we do that, when we actually put effort into understanding what causes problems and pain for those other people, what is important to them, then we can get our messages across in a way that makes more sense and is meaningful and relevant to them. Super. Chris, this has been fabulous conversation. And before I let you go, please share with me, how is your experience being hosted on the Guiding Voice platform? Oh, this has been great. I love the energy on this. So many so many shows are, are sort of fairly static. You are really lively. Love your energy. And uh, I hope I've been able to match it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it is one of the finest conversation with actionable insights I have ever had on my platform. I've interviewed 450 plus guests so far. So I, I I loved, I think this will be one of the most memorable episodes for sure. Thank you so much for all oh. the amazing insights and also for your spending your valuable time. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. This is time that is valuable for you, for me, for those listening. The What is important is that we give people valuable things that they can take away and make a real difference. It's uh, been a real pleasure to be here on The Guiding Voice with you. Yep. So pleasure is all mine as well, Chris. And as friends, that was our episode with Chris Fenning, 
from the Netherlands. And before we jump into the fun trivia section, we have a quick request. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast from wherever you have tuned in because subscribing keeps you updated on new episodes. And also, if you have enjoyed this conversation and found it useful, request you to share with at least three of your friends or colleagues who could also like the guiding voice. So please spread the knowledge and also help others grow just like you. Now let's cruise into the trivia segment. So today's trivia is about Netherlands. Since we had an amazing speaker from the Netherlands, here are a few interesting aspects and facts about the Netherlands. And the first one is land of bicycles. The Netherlands is renowned for its extensive and well-developed cycling infrastructure. And it is estimated that there are more bicycles than residents in the country. Bicycles are an integral part of the Dutch culture and daily life. Used not only for commuting, but also for leisure and exercise. So good job, all the Dutch people. I think you guys are keeping fit. (laughs) And uh, here is the next one. Innovative water management. A significant portion of the Netherlands is below sea level and the country is prone to flooding. Despite this, the Dutch have implemented remarkable water management systems, including an intricate network of dams, dikes, and also canals. The Delta Works, a series of massive sea barriers, stands as an engineering marvel to protect the country from the sea. Interesting, isn't it? And the third one oh. is about <laughs> and the third one is about tulip mania and the flower industry. The Netherlands is famously known for its vibrant flower fields and is the largest global exporter of flowers, particularly tulips. And the tulip became an iconic symbol of the country and during the 17th century, tulip mania swept through the Netherlands, causing a speculative frenzy in tulip bulb prices, making it one of the earliest recorded economic bulbs in the history. So these are the facts from my end and I would love to hear from you. If you have any interesting facts to share about the Netherlands, please feel free to share them in the form of YouTube comments or if you have found this episode on social media, you can comment there. I'm going to review them and that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and also for being part of our awesome TGV community. We would love to hear from you. So friends, do not hesitate to share your ideas and feedback either through our social media or you can also email us at theguidingvoiceforyou at gmail.com and let's create content that resonates with you. I'm your host Navin Samala, a lifelong learner and my goal is to have impactful conversations that improve your life and also your career. Until next time, take care and stay inspired. Remember, the future holds great things because the best is yet to come. Goodbye for now. See you all in the next episode with another amazing guest. Take care.